we surrender, God. We see you as king. We see your kingdom. This is what we want. You are who we want. So, God, we just, uh, we just surrender. We just give in. So I pray for um, myself and my friends, God. Would you, um, would you speak to us? Would you strengthen us? Would you remind us of your confidence in us and your confidence in yourself and who you are, God, and how you are able? And uh, we just bless you, Jesus. Amen. Oh. All right. Good morning. Hey, so um, one of the things... One of the things that's tricky, uh, or I found tricky this week, was thinking about, man, there is so much in the story of Easter and leading up to it and the, the passages we love and just the way that I feel like God has just been bombarding me all over the place with um, the beauty of the story. And so I, I pretty much feel like you guys are, are all seasoned in God, you know those stories, so I just encourage you, go spend the same time, because that may or may not be what we really get to today. So what I do want to do is I want to look at, um, you know, last week, Beth taught about faith and hope and love and kind of the interconnection of the three and how we bring those in balance. Um, and when we bring those in balance, she made an um, analogy to a tree, and she made an analogy just to the fruitfulness of the tree when, when faith, hope, and love are brought in balance. And today I want to talk a little bit about faith, and I want to talk about faith and its contrast with fear um, and what that means in our lives. And specifically, I'm going to just tell you some stuff that I'm working on uh, as we go through it. So let's start with, let's flip over to Mark uh, 1120, and I want to read you, uh, I want us to read a little bit of scripture together. So, to set the stage, um, Jesus has come back into Jerusalem. This is in the final week um, before the crucifixion, before the resurrection. Um, and what's happened earlier is uh, Jesus came to a tree, a fig tree, looking for fruit on it, um, cursed that tree, and when the disciples came back by the tree the following day, um, Here's what happened, verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed is withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. So what struck me this week as I've been chewing on this was just the simple expression, have faith in God, in, in uh, verse 22. And I thought that really, like, that sums up the entirety of the journey. Like, we could just go, like, here's what I brought for you today. Have faith in God. Okay, we're done. Because that's really the essence of this entire thing. So I think there's a place where, as I've thought about it this week, and I've been chewing on what Jana taught on Tuesday and what Beth taught on last Sunday, that I have seen faith and obedience kind of moving together um, in a unity. And that I see that obedience... This week for me, obedience is grabbing hold of what I can see and what I do know 
and taking action on it. And faith is grabbing hold of what I can't see, taking action on it. So faith and obedience are linked together for me. Like I'm grabbing, I'm grabbing what I see and I'm strengthening myself because I'm responding to what he says and I'm grabbing hold of what I can't see yet and I'm taking action on it and those two together are turning in me and drawing me closer into him and giving God this whole playground to activate and work in. So one of the challenging things about being in community <laughs> is having somebody come up and put their finger on a part of your life that's out of whack, right? Does that, so if there aren't people in your life that can come up and put your, their finger on your life, you might want to draw closer into community because sometimes I think I've walked this journey where I've thought, oh, it's really about me and God. And I've come to see that God is always working in the group. God loves his body. He's always working in the body. And if you're feeling isolated and disconnected, then that comes back to you to draw closer in and create relationship and create friendships. So this friend happens to be my, was my boss and is now my grand boss, if you follow what I'm saying. But he, we're good friends and he knows me really well and we've worked together for six years and we've known each other for, uh, gosh, almost 20 years. Um, and the other day, this is early March, he and I were talking and he, and I was we we are trying to navigate a change in some of my accounts, and I need to um, release some accounts. Which too long of a story. Um, and I just said, I was like, Hunter, I'm gonna I'm gonna give these accounts away, and then what happens if like the next person in cleans up, and then I'll just feel I'll just feel like an idiot that I didn't choose this well and I didn't function well. And he stops and he goes, Man, I have never heard this as clearly as I am hearing right now, this root of fear in you. Like, do you remember that you are such a well-loved son and that God's favor is all over your life and there's not a way for you to make a mistake here because his promise is sure and his banner over you is love. And I just, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, you're absolutely right. And this fear, like, when I, when I saw it in that moment um, and then began processing this with Jana, like, I, you love me, and I know you've seen this, right? For however, 27 or 28 years that we've been together, you've seen this. But for me, it was like, um, Johnny will connect with this or, or will clarify it later for us, but, but Paris in 1940 was this beautiful city Right, except that the Germans completely overran it. But you could go have a cup of coffee on a cafe, and it would be a sunny day, and the buildings were all still there, you know, and the Eiffel Tower was there, and Notre Dame was there, and the Germans didn't blow up and destroy everything in Paris because they wanted it. It was a prize, right? And so I realized I'm functioning in this life where I'm going like, and I love God, and I'm having coffee in the cafe, and I'm looking at these beautiful buildings, and all of a sudden, Hunter says this to me, and it's like I see all the gray uniforms, right? I see, <laughs> I see, I see the occupying force that is in my city, and I'm just undone. And and then I'm I'm connecting with Jan about it, just in the repercussion of it. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I have been I have been hungry and steadfast and after God, and you have been hungry and steadfast and after God, 
And is there an occupying force in your heart right now that is fear? So, I want to go back to this a second and think about our willingness to receive a word from a friend. That there are times where we want somebody to say something just right or um, be perfect in all their ways before they speak into our lives. And there are, there are ways where we've got to be open and willing to hear from people that love us even if they're less than perfect and listen enough for the Lord in the community to be able to go, okay, because it, it, I'm not trying to give myself a gold star. It would have been easy for me to be even more freaked out about this, right? Because in moments I went, oh my gosh, while this guy is my friend, this guy is further up the food chain in my company and I have just been vulnerable and he's just put his finger on something and I could have used that to drive deeper into fear. Does that make sense? So I had to make a choice to go, I will, ch- I will trust that God has me in community for a reason and I will trust that imperfect as someone might be when they're coming up, when they're close enough to you that they can give you counsel or they can give you insight, there's a place to go, I'm going to trust that God will take care of me in it and I'm going to listen to what's being said. Yep, yep, absolutely. So, um, speaking of friends, I was driving with another friend. I don't know where he went. Adrian's around here somewhere. Did they take off? So, Adrian and I, Adrian and I were driving um, after this conversation, and I was talking to Adrian about the conversation and how it had rocked my world. And Adrian said to me, and I promised, I was like, we're driving. And I'm like, grab Evernote really quick. And I was like, I promise I'm going to give you credit for this as I'm, <laughs> as I'm jotting it down. But um, Adrian was talking and he said, you know, how, you know how when you're with a baby and you have something in your hand and you, you open your hand toward the baby and the baby's just like, oh, and they're cooing and they're so excited, you know? And then you close your hand and the baby just is like, oh just crying, you know, and sad. And then you open your hand again, and the baby's just, ah, like, so excited. And then close it again, and the baby will just drop back. And Adrian said, you know, God's hand, um, this is a paraphrase, isn't it? I, I wish I could be the person, like, Jan is amazing at remembering, like, exact sentences. But Adrian has said, essentially, God's favor for you, for me, is always in his hand. And there are times where it feels like that hand is closed, but his favor never left his hand. And sometimes we see it and the hand pops open and sometimes it's closed or it seems closed to us. We see it as closed, but favor, the love that God has for you, the depth of, the depth of his kindness and riches towards you, his faithfulness towards you is never going to fail you. And if you can't see it in this moment, it doesn't mean that anything's gone. It's there. Like, he is blessing you, and he is for you, and he's never going to forsake you or leave you. So I just want to remind you in the middle of it um, of that kindness, of his kindness. So thank you, Adrian, because that was a piece that God used to just go, like, oh, I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this all wrong. So I began to um, journal this out with God, and... I got a couple of these really great resources along the way. Like I think we've already talked about, um, Ginger gave me a, a teaching um, called Turning Passivity into Prophecy by Graham Cook. 
that just was, she had, we talked about something months and months ago and she's like, I've had it on my heart that I need to give you this CD. And then she gave me the CD and I didn't listen to it for a while. And I finally uploaded it and, and had it on my, on my phone and I'm driving along like ruminating on this whole conversation. And what do I do next? And I go like, I think I'll listen to this ginger thing. <laughs> you know, and then the the thing from Ginger is it, it's a teaching from Isaiah 61 that says, uh, you know, he is the God of instead, that he is a God that, that I bring him despair uh, and he brings me, hang on a second, let's, let's remind ourselves of what these actually are. Flip, it, uh, flip to Isaiah 61 really quickly. So in Isaiah 61, Jesus is working out this great exchange. And he says in verse 3, I want to bestow on you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. I want to give you an oil of gladness instead of mourning. And I want to give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So in that teaching, Cook just comes back and says, whatever Wherever the enemy is coming against you, wherever maybe you are coming against you, is a spot where God wants to do the exact opposite. So if you are despairing, God wants to give you gladness. If you see ashes, God wants to give you beauty. If you're um, restless and weary, God wants to give you rest. So um, as I started talking through this with God, I don't... Do people journal? Do you, do you all journal at all? So something I would really encourage you, if you're not journaling, if you're not taking time to cultivate, like Jana talked Tuesday night, I guess, about um, the way that our history, the way that our history with God becomes a fertilizer on that root of faith so that that, that hope and faith and love can really blossom in our lives. Your journaling time, your, your ability to write out your history with God will be a place for strengthening for you. And there is a way that as I'm learning to listen better to God, what I'm finding is if I will, if as I'm journaling, I will ask God questions. And when I first started, I wasn't so great at it, but I began, I've begun to be able to hear my voice, his voice, um, my questions, his questions, my answers, his answers as I'm going back and forth. So that is something that I think is available and uh, if you're doing it already, great, awesome, good for you. Uh, if you're not, I want to be really careful about setting up this series of rules or rhythms that you should be taking, but I'm encouraging you that God is speaking all the time, and he wants to speak to you, and he wants you to be able to hear you, hear him for yourself. Uh, and this is, this is an accessible place. So as I, was talking, as I was talking to God about it, I felt like he said to me, um, we were talking about fear and he says, this is your choice. No one can do this for you. You're telling yourself a story that somehow feels comfortable to you in some odd way, but this is no longer your home. Give up, surrender, take the same facts of your life and tell yourself a different story. The one where I got am strong for you, where you feel weak. The one where I'm faithful when you are lacking faith. So he just reminded me that God didn't create us to be fearful, hiding, or quitting. Um, and he, in, in, this, in this conversation, he said to me, he said, face the music, and you're going to find out that you actually like the song and that you were made to dance. And so I think there are places where um, I have found 
that I will cower or I will pull back. And God is saying, I have so much more to do in you and I'm an opposing spirit in you and I want to take you in it to have you increase your confidence with me and have you increase your confidence with yourself in terms of who you are and what your life is really about. Another thing he said to me uh, in this season was, um, if you have a plan, this is from a friend of mine, Augie Barker, originally said this to me, but God reminded me of it. He said, if you have a plan and you know the plan, then you know what fits the plan. And Augie was specifically giving that to Jan and I as money advice, but God pointed it back out to me like fear Fear is not part of God's plan for you. So if I have a plan to live a full life, to be God's, to be wholly surrendered, and I know that plan, then I know whether or not something fits. And so that gave me, that was a great reminder to me to be able to call stuff out as I'm seeing it in my life. When stuff isn't aligning with God, we talked about obedience, we talked about faith earlier on, when things aren't aligning with God, then it's up to me to not continue to permit the occupying force to do whatever they want in my city, right? This is my city. It belongs to God. He's given it to me. He said the kingdom of God is within me, but the kingdom of God is working it out in my midst. So I have to, I have to govern this city with his grace and with his ability, but it's on me to choose it, to see it, and go, yes, I'll permit it. No, I won't. So it's a very active, I think that there are places... I don't know if this is true for you all. There are places where I get wound up with fear that I can, I can like feel it on my arms. I, I, I feel it physically in my body, what fear feels like or what indecision feels like. And I don't know if this is true for you. And it feels really pretty real. Can anybody connect with this, this thought or idea? So Tuesday night, Jana was talking about what's the difference between a pep talk where I would feel that feeling and I would go back and I would read a scripture and five minutes later I'd be just back in the same spot. What's the difference between a pep talk and what's the difference between actual breakthrough, actual personal connection with God? Because the affirmations matter. The scriptures matter. The scriptures like feeds my soul and it gives me something to work on. It gives God something to work on in my life. But I have to move past it and go, if I'm feeling this, doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. It's not acceptable for me to stay stuck when I know that God has more. And so that may mean I have to lean into it a little bit longer. I've had to lean into it a little bit longer over the last three weeks because I've popped in and out of the truth of this and I've had to come back and sit in worship and I've had to come back and I've had to sit in the sense that he's the root and I'm the branch. And that connection is true and that abiding is true and that's real life. And what I feel or what my body is telling me my body's my friend, but it's not always telling me the truth. And I have to, I have to be discerning enough to walk in obedience to say, I'm not going to be run by this. So that, I don't know if that's solely connecting, but we'll keep, we'll kind of keep moving on. So he said to me later, uh, a different day journaling, he said, the change you want is in your choices, the small ones. The change you want is in your choices, the small ones. They will add up, be willing to be uncomfortable, and I will comfort you. God saying, I will comfort you. 
So in Psalm 48, 14, you don't need to flip there. God showed me this, and he said, for this, is our, this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide even to the end. For this God, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Psalm forty-eight, fourteen. So, one of the one of the things that God and I have been talking about for years is this idea of um, Jesus, my teacher. Right, like like this is a way this is a way that I've come to know Him really well. So when He said this thing about being my guide, it completely spoke my language, and. I realized that try to figure out how to put this thought together. So I have to be willing in the moment to listen as my teacher tells me we're going a different direction. As my teacher points out something to me and says it's time to move, it's time to go in some way that's new or feels new or it's it's the the tension of growth is connected to being to breaking out of a comfort zone. Like I heard somebody in our small group, I guess, I think this might have come from Fertig at Elevation Worship, um, but Elevation uh, Church, talked about we sometimes want comfort so badly because we think that's really what God is about in our life. But the truth of it is, is that comfort and being lulled to sleep are often uh, a, a productive place for the enemy. And discomfort, uh, is a place of growth and is often a place where God is moving us in discomfort to come into who we really are and to come into something new. So, I don't want to offend NASCAR fans, but I need to talk about something really quickly. So, I want to, I want to, there are, there are places in our journey where when things are hard and when things are making no sense, we want to come back and we want to have a set of rules that are dependable. We want to have a set of, if I do these three things right now, I'm going to get this outcome. And sometimes in our life, those things, those things present themselves to us. But often, God is taking us in new ground and, and no one can necessarily help us get there. What I mean by this is in NASCAR, I can't look at Jana right now because Jana's probably going like, what are you going to be talking about? So, in, in NASCAR, um, it's, it's very important if you want to go fast and you want to lead that you pull up behind somebody and you run, whether that's a teammate or not or somebody you care about or not, you draft in NASCAR because that's part of the way that you stay successful. So I draft on Graham Cook and I draft on Bill Johnson and I draft on Janice Picca and I draft on a lot of people because I go, I know that there is somebody that's slightly ahead of me in the journey that's got something that I need, and I'm going to draft. And there are times where if I then try to draft in Formula One, a different kind of racing, if I draft in Formula One, I will get caught in, in uh, uh, turbulence behind the other car, and I will lose downforce, I'll lose control of my car, and I can't be behind somebody in Formula One for very long or I will not be where I need to be. And so God uses it, like God speaking to us all these different ways. God speaking to me this week said, you got to be careful about which season of life you're really in right now. Are you, are you to be drafting because that's the sport that you're doing, even though you're only turning left? Sorry. 
<laughs> or are you willing to turn left and right and realize that you have to, you have to stand on your own? You're going to have to trust me, and I'm going to give you timing, and I'm going to show you where, and I'm going to show you when, and you're going to have to move independently for a little bit because I have something different for you. And I think that there are times where we try, to, we try to make our Christian journey either all of one thing so we can set up a list of rules and we can follow it, or all of the other things so we can set up a list of rules and we can follow it. And often it's just a matter of coming back and saying, for this God is our God forever and ever, and he will be our guide even to the end. And sometimes our guide is going to tell us to draft, and sometimes our guide is going to tell us just to race on our own. So, but I don't know what's going on in your heart or in your journey right now. So I want to remind you of a couple questions that Jana often asks, which is, and I want us to stop and I want to think about this right now. So these two questions are, God, what are you trying to teach me right now? And am I being a good student? So just let's take just a couple seconds. God, what are you trying to teach me right now? And am I being a good student? All right, you might want to come back to that. Um, hopefully you got something right there. Hopefully you heard something. Who heard something right there? Who, who's clear about what they're working on or what God's working on in their life? couple folks thank you um all right i want to share a little bit more that that i i hope will be helpful in terms of just my time with god about fear so one day when i was journaling in this last couple of weeks god asked me he said instead of asking why are you afraid ask how do you do afraid so I might have talked about this before. The question why is not necessarily a productive question for you. A better question is how. So I'm responding to God and I said, in answer to that, how do I do afraid? I said, I take facts around circumstances and I make up a negative worst case outcome. And I bundle several of these together. I tell myself it's, my fault, and that God, you probably won't come through. So that's how I cultivate fear. Yeah. So I take, instead of asking, why are you afraid? God asked me, ask yourself, how do you do afraid? And I said, I take facts around circumstances, and I make up a negative worst case outcome, and I bundle several of these together. And I tell myself it's my fault and that you, God, probably won't come through. And then God said to me, now let me ask you, how do you think you do faith? And I said, I take facts and circumstances and I remember and I tell myself that you are God and that you are here in this moment and I consider who you are, how good you are, and that anything is possible. Yep. I take facts and circumstances. 
I take facts and circumstances and I remember and I tell myself that you are God and that you are here in this moment and I consider who you are and how good you are and that anything is possible. So then he took me back into, and I want you guys to flip here for yourself. These are going to be verses you're familiar with, but I want to hopefully show you something in it. So flip to Hebrews 11. And, and God told me, go back and look at Hebrews. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And I was like, great, I know that. Thank you. Thanks for that reminder. Um, and he said, go look at verse 6. And verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And he said, what do you think the reward is? And, and I thought, man, I'm really, you know, there's parts of it where I'm really uncomfortable around this idea of reward. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if you all, yeah, I just don't want to get totally on a sidetrack. We'll come back to that another day. So, when he says that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him, I thought, you know what? I have, I have lived in this verse as though I'm going to get something for my faith. Like, I'm going to get some positive outcome that I think is going to make me feel okay out of functioning in faith. And God said, the gift is intimacy, or I'm saying back to him as he's trying to answer this question, I said, the gift is intimacy and connection with you. The awareness of you and your presence, you are the reward. So, if I change that sentence and I think, without faith it's impossible to please God, I, I am I, I'm a child of God. I please God. He's planted faith in me. Like, I can't help but do it. It's, it's who I am. It's who I'm designed to be. If I'm letting an occupying force live here, it's, it's, it's a lie, but it it's, doesn't change the fact that I'm a well-loved son, that you're a well-loved daughter, that, that we are functioning in faith as we're trying to live with him, as we are living with him. This is happening. So um, I am pleasing God because I'm coming to him I believe that he exists. I believe in his goodness. I believe in his character. I believe in his name and who he really is. And that my reward is that intimacy and connection as I'm earnestly seeking him. That that's the greatest thing. So when he is the reward, everything else, I guess, either falls into place or just seems so silly. Like the things that I'm chasing after, the things that I think I need are just silliness compared to him truly being my reward um so the goal of faith is connection with him the goal of faith is him just him and he began to speak to me about being my portion um so just jot these down and you can go look these up before but uh, look these up later psalm 16 5 Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. I realized that when he is my portion, when he is my inheritance, when he is my reward, and it's just him, then there's, there's security in every other place. 
is what Psalm 16.5 says. Psalm 73.26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Like, I might be running around feeling that fear. Do you know what I mean? The physical feeling of fear. I'm trusting that you all can relate to this. I might be feeling this physical portion of fear. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Like that he's my inheritance and he himself, that connection is my reward with him. Psalm 142.5 I cry to you, Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Like he is everything that I need to be able to see his goodness right now in the land of the living like Psalm 27.13 talks about. So, you know, there was a day in 1945 maybe it happened in 1944 I forget Johnny's gonna I'll get, I'll get with Johnny later or I'll google it but there was a day where the allied troops came rolling into Paris and it's a totally different day right and the gray is gone and the sun is shining and there's confetti in the air and there is a king that is triumphant in your life and there is a king that is true and there is a king that has brought victory and has brought liberation and has brought freedom. And so many times it's being able to come back to the city and go, the truth of this city is that he is the king of my heart. And the truth of this city is that this city is free. And I will not be a slave to fear. And I will not surrender this, this city. And if I catch myself surrendering this city, I'm going to come back and remember that you are my portion in the land of the living, that you are my portion and you've made my lot secure. And I'm going to remind myself who is king. And I'm going to remind myself who this city belongs to. So God, you are, you are free. You are free to have your way in us. You're free to have your way in our hearts. God, thank you that you are a king. We were looking for a king. And you came. And Jesus, we just want to come back to you right now and own this stuff and we see some of the clutter and mess and the things that we've believed that aren't true and the things that we've hung on to because we thought they would make us comfortable and they don't and you're our reward and our faith and our confidence and our hope is all found in our connection with you and our intimacy with you and our friendship with you so thank you for the friends that we have here that that want to pursue you like this, that want to be with you like this. And God, we just want all that you have and all that you can give. So bless us, God. Bless us with yourself. Bless us with connection with you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.